0: Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the kingdom of God. And the theme for today's show is a day in the kingdom. What does that look like? Uh, according to many people, you don't get to the kingdom till you're dead. But according to Christ, the kingdom of God is for the living. It's not for the dead. It's for the living. And we were put here on this earth to be that kingdom of God that people of God, that peculiar people of God that operate not by forcing their neighbor, not by taking away from their neighbor, not by compelling their neighbor through force of arms to do what they think is right, judging good and evil for others, but doing what is right because we are following the ways of God and his precept upon precept that we see written about in the kingdom and in the biblical text. God didn't change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It's the same God. Our view of what God wants and was doing may change. It may be different because of the sophistry of false teachers that have crept in and taught us something different from what the kingdom of God was really originally to be and is still to be to this day. The kingdom of God is where you're ruled by God himself. How does he do that? He rules you in your hearts and your minds because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You allow that Holy Spirit into you because you are compatible with it. So your ministers should be compatible with Christ. They should be doing what Christ was doing. What was he doing? John the Baptist was doing something different than the high priests were doing in Jerusalem at the time he was preaching out there in the wilderness. He was telling people to take care of one another, to share with free will offerings. That's what Moses had said free will offerings, to take care of one another. Samuel saw. Saul, force an offering. He said, for that reason, that foolish thing that you did, Saul, will mean that your kingdom will not stand. Israel, being the kingdom of God way back then, before they chose kings, was operating an entire government by free will offerings. They were literally an anarchy. They had no They had no Rulers who could exercise authority. You had to exercise responsibility in order to make that government work. And when we use the word anarchy today, we think of chaos, that there are no laws, there are no rules, there are no ways in which you regulate yourself as a people. Well, there are natural rules. There is a natural respect of life for each other, respect of the life of yourself. You have to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I always say, well, that works out real good as long as you're not around a lot of sadomasochists. The sadomasochists will brutalize themselves. They don't love themselves. They hate themselves. They destroy themselves. They poison themselves. They injure themselves. So they will do the same with you. So the kingdom of God only works with immoral people a people that are giving life, who love life in themselves and in others and want to nurture that life. So how do they do that? Do they do that by forcing one another to contribute to each other, by exercising authority one over the other? I point out that the Levites were supported by one-tenth of what you earned. One-tenth of what you earned during a year. Ten percent, you can say it a lot of different ways, but they tithed. Why did they do that? Because they were in congregations of ten. And that meant that the mean salary, wages, earnings of a Levite minister was equal to that of the the earnings of all those people he served. He served ten families. One family made... uh, uh, a thousand denarii a year. Another one made 300 denarii a year. Another one made 500 denarii a year. And he made somewhere in between that. Maybe 600 denarii a year. That's what he would make. That would be his wages. What was he doing to earn that? He was health education and welfare. He was the institution of government. If you had a problem uh, in agriculture, you, you know, we, yesterday we were out there looking at a cherry tree we had planted a couple years before. And we noticed the leaves were all getting wilted, and we investigated cl- closely, and we saw a little slug that was getting on those leaves and sucking the life out of those leaves. Now, it was pretty obvious to us, but there are other problems that can arise in manufacturing and agriculture or whatever, and your Levite minister is your Better Business Bureau. He's going to come up with solutions. He's your government. He works every day to see to it that you're a success, that your children are healthy, that your family stays together and prospers. And he wants to see you prosper because... He's going to get 10%. He's, he's your agent in the world. He's your government. But he's a government of service because he has no power to exercise authority. If you don't think he's doing a good job, don't give him 10% because the Bible says you tie to him according to his service. This is a government they're describing in the Old Testament. This is the same government that Christ instituted and called the ecclesia, which we translate into the English word church. You look at Black's Law Dictionary, the church is established by Jesus Christ. And the nature of Jesus Christ was to come to serve, and the nature of the Levite was to come to serve. He could not kick in your door if you decided he was only worth 5% this year. And you could do that. You say, you're not working as a Levite. Minister of our congregation, you're laying down on the job. You're doing a poor job, and we're going to get somebody else, but until then, we're we're only going to give you 5% or 8% until we see you doing a better job. And he has the choice of accepting that, changing, or not. He can go out and get a real job, or he can stay a Levite and start doing a better job because the elders of the congregation, those ten families, the elder of each family, that's what an elder was, the head of a family, he was the state. He had the power to decide whether or not the government gets paid. If you don't do a good job, he's not going to pay you. Now there would be selfish elders who didn't pay a good Levite. And he might just say, Well, I'm not going to be the government minister for this family anymore because he has a choice. I'll serve these families, but I will not serve this family because they are selfish. They don't share. I worked hard and I did a good job, and they, and so you're self governing. The minister is self governing himself, and the elders are self governing themselves, and they're working together in faith and hope, and charity, and honor, and trusting one another. That's the government of God. You are taxed by yourself, by your own conscience. You remain kings in your own castles. You minister to your neighbor, to your Levite, your church minister, who is a benefactor to your community. But he doesn't exercise authority over you. He doesn't compel your offerings. And this simple concept is a division between the Kingdom of God and the kingdoms of the world, which the Kingdom of God is not a part of. And this is why Christians were persecuted. They were operating a system based on faith, open and charity that was actually working better than the system of Rome that was wracked with corruption, dishonesty. Is that the kind of system you're in in Australia or France or what have you? In some of the news items that came up this week, I uh, saw a couple of headlines, and one of them uh, said, U.S. cities going bankrupt. Of course, we've heard in the news many, many, many times in the last, last, no, since 2008, that the government is bankrupt. The federal government is bankrupt. And many people are pointing out that the reason the federal dollar is still uh, in place and still functioning and still desired by many people in the world is because every other government in the world is even in worse condition than us. Well, there's a few that might be better, were in greater debt in the United States. Or I should say the citizens of the United States are in greater debt than they've ever been before. And that debt is rising greater and greater. And we know debt is slavery, is bondage. And still they move towards bankruptcy. Why? Because they moved away from Christ. They did a foolish thing. They did like Saul. They decided to force a contribution, force their neighbor to contribute to their welfare. And it didn't begin with Obama's health care. Where did it begin? Public schools. Public-supported fire departments by compelled offerings. You know, the first fire departments, you volunteered. They call it volunteering fire departments, volunteer firemen. They volunteered, but, you know, for a guy to devote so much time and energy to being a fireman, he has to get something. So people joined the fire department, not by becoming a fireman, but by contributing. And they would get a little sign as a member of the fire department that they would set outside their house. And when there was a fire, a fireman would come and protect that house because it was part of They're a free assembly. They agreed to protect that house because it contributed to the body of the firemen and supported so they could buy equipment and they could feed the horses, that pulled the carts, what have you. So because they were members, they were protected. And so there was a fire on your street. And they came there and there were two houses that had been a member of their fire department. Well, they would protect those houses more than the others. Now, of course, they would want to put out the other fire, too, because it could spread to your house, and their job was to protect your house because you were a member of the fire department. We have a thing out here called Air Life, and Air Life will fly out 100 miles from the hospital, and a helicopter in our field right out here, and load you up, take you back charge you nothing. It's free. Well, it's not really free. You've contributed, you know, a few dollars every year. You pay into that. It's not your money anymore. It's their money. And they use that to pay for the helicopter and pay for the nurses and pay for the doctors that may fly out and and save your life someday. Well, maybe this year they didn't save your life. They saved your neighbor's life and the other people that paid in. Well, they'd come out and picked up people that didn't ever pay in anything, and they picked them up, and the bill was (laughs) $45,000. I think it was something like that. Maybe it was $17,000, and the whole hospital bill was $45,000, but it was a lot of money to come out and pick them up, fly all the way back, and they forgave the debt if you become a member and start paying those few dollars a year, and the people started paying the few dollars a year as opposed to the 17000 because there were enough people paying in that they didn't need more money and they were a non-profit organization. They couldn't make a profit. They weren't allowed to make a profit. And there was enough people paying in that they could pick up people for free. Now, if the people had insurance, they probably would bill them. But those people didn't have insurance, so they forgave the debt. So the reality is that's much like the Kingdom Works, very similar to the Kingdom Works. There's an insurance program out there, Good Samaritans. And you join it and you voluntarily pay in to the Good Samaritans. And the way you pay in is you pay somebody else's medical bill and they go online and they, they say, well, this is what we had, these are the bills that we had and all this stuff. And that's, that's very close to the Kingdom. But the Kingdom has a better way. The kingdom is that you assemble in congregations of ten families. You pick a minister. Everybody pays in to that, and he reports what he receives and what goes out. And if there is a greater need, if there is something else that comes up, then you may pay in a little bit more. And if it's too great for your congregation, you're linked with other congregations, just like an insurance company is linked with all kinds of people. Well, why congregations and just instead of just a single membership is because your minister can go out there and know the ministers of the other congregations of 10. And, and through that relationship, he can tell, well, this person says, oh, they have this hospital bill and they have this sickness and they have this thing and they have that thing. And he can keep track of, is, is it really true? Is it really happening? And is it really part of that uh, good Samaritan helping one another is it uh, you know is it being honest now I, I've known some people that were in the good Samaritan program and what the the company does is it calls up uh, the local pastor and say does this person is he honest is he a smoker because if you're a smoker you get a different coverage than a non-smoker Well, in the kingdom, you have very close, careful scrutinization of what's going on because the ministers have to develop this knowledge of one another. And this is the way ancient Israel operated. So if you'd come together in free assemblies, you would have your insurance already. It would be an assurance of assurance. It would be an assurance of faith and hope and charity. And if you had a true need, there would be people there to help you out and take care of you, take care of your children. Now, how far does this go? What is the basic structure of the kingdom? Well, it's the family. The family was instituted by God. Nimrod, Pharaoh, Caesar... All the governments of the world are instituted not by God, but by any men. But the church was instituted by Christ, and the church is a government. It's defined as one form of government in Black's Law Dictionary. So that's what we're going to be exploring today: is what is that one form of government? How does it look? How does it operate? And we're going to see some of the possibilities, and we're going to give you a telephone number where you can call in and ask us questions about uh, the kingdom and what a day in the life of the kingdom would look like. In the kingdom of God, you're under God. You're under his authority. You're not under the authority of men who say, you know, I'm the minister of God. I recently saw a movie. I think it was called Ironclad, very bloody uh, movie Somebody else ordered it and, and shared it with us, but uh, it was very interesting. It was about King John after the signing of the Magna Carta. He hired Danes to come and help him regain his power and position to do away with the Magna Carta. And it was a bloody battle that pursued. Uh, and he did this because he was commanded to do it by, believe it or not, a church. He was commanded to to regain his power and authority. He was, there was a number of letters that were written back and forth at that time between that church and that king uh, that uh, uh, were opening up uh, a, uh, a uh, system that... Uh, was going to do away with the Magna Carta, which wasn't that great of a document, but it was some effort to return to a position of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God had operated for almost a thousand years after Christ. It was all over Europe. There was no central authority. There was no exercising authority. Most of the people were free, and we talk about it in the book, Thy Kingdom Comes. All people weren't free, but most people were free. And there were good people amongst those free people, and there were bad people amongst those free people. But if you understood the true history of the kingdom of God, you would find that it was a very much different society than you now live in. But evil rose up, and men began to rule over men again, like it was in the days of Babylon, like it was in the days of Egypt, like it was in the days of the totalitarian Caesars. And now we've come to this point in time. And it's time for us to repent and return and go back to the ways of God, back to the understanding of the kingdom. And we can do this step by step. First, you have to turn around and know that there is another direction you can go in. That's one of the big problems today in society people see the economy collapsing. They see these poisons coming by way of uh, outfits like Monsanto poisoning the agriculture uh, system of this nation with these genetically modified foods. And, you know, many of you are aware of this already, but there is so much more that is going on that is just absolutely insane. And it's barely talked about in, in many of the news medias, but there are people out there giving very clear and concise evidence that your entire food system is being poisoned. And I use that word poison uh, very intently. What can you do about it? These huge, powerful companies that just control government, they want to fast-track their uh, genetically modified foods, get them into you. They want to keep you from even knowing that they're in it's against the law to even tell people that you don't have genetically modified foods in your products. And the pollen of these genetically modified organisms can contaminate good foods, healthy foods, all over the world and already doing so. And what are you going to do about it? Well, seek the kingdom. If you would do that, you would have a chance if you were really sincerely, honorably, seeking the kingdom. And that's what we're going to be talking about in the next three quarters of the show is what that looks like. Are you gathering together for the good of one another? Or are you gathering together just to save yourself? Because if it's the latter, it won't work because it's not kingdom oriented. It's not like the kingdom. Are you picking ministers who want to serve, who care about life and are life givers? Are you picking ministers who want you to serve them? Who want you to look up to them? Who want you to put them up? Who wants you to bow down to their knowledge, their skills, their ability, their holier than thou attitude? Can you imagine what it was like for the Levites to leave the camp, to come out when Moses said, come out, risk everything. All their wealth was back there in the golden calf. Coming out, they were walking away from that. They were walking away from a lot more. And Christ walked away from a lot more. He was a rich man, came from a rich family, not a poor family. But though he was rich, he made himself poor. Why? How does that work in government? How does that work in God's government? We'll talk about that when we return to keys to the kingdom.
1: Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com The program you are listening to is 100% sponsored by you, the listener, on this First Amendment rights media channel. You will notice that there are few commercials on this radio network. There's a good reason for that. If you believe in any of these, we ask you to support them as you would a missionary on a continual basis, as if giving a tithe for Missionary Radio. These programs are not commercially viable and must be supported by those faithful to the cause of truth. Look for the button to sponsor your favorite programs at our listen and schedule pages on the Internet. Then, when you subscribe, we will send you the last quarterly MP3 CD of that program immediately and continue to do so with each new quarter. We will also give you unlimited archive access to all of our programs. We're asking you to give much less than a tithe so that you may also send support directly to a particular program host, cause, and anywhere else the Spirit may lead you. Do all to the glory of our God and Creator, for His holy nation, the only kingdom that will last forever. Thank you for listening.
2: Now listen to me. The Bible says, Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar's.
3: Government Takeover of the Church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD, Government Takeover of the Church. Who will tell them if not you? Get this DVD
1: for a donation of $25 from Liberty Radio Live.com. Order online today or call 559 781
2: 3773. Now, this is-
0: Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, We're talking about the Kingdom of God. We've got a large network, the living network that uh, is growing a little bit by little bit. Of course, there are people that will come and go because they're bound up in religious doctrines and dogmas created by men. That you, oh, you have to believe this and you have to believe that. When the gospel is really very simple, you have to love one another as I have loved you. That's what Jesus says. Yes, you have to keep the commandments. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And what are those commandments? When he was asked, how do we attain eternal life? He says, you know, the commandments keep them. It's very simple. You have to stop stealing from one another. You have to stop murdering one another. You even have to stop making one another sick. So, you know, like Monsanto is sinning because they're producing crops that are making people sick. In the 2012 Farm Bill and the 2013 Agricultural Appropriations Bill, they want to fast-track their GMOs, and we talked about that in the earlier part of the show. And we know that, you know, we're seeing huge amounts of infertility in cows fed GMO corn. And yet GMO corn byproducts like high-fructose corn syrup is in almost everything you buy in the store and the government is actually passing laws where you can't tell people that there are GMOs or you are GMO-free product. You can't tell them. And what about truth and labeling? You can't tell them? You can't allow that to be uh, known by your customers? That's not a good thing. That That is actually a bad thing, but that's the way they're going. Your minister's don't love you. Your ministers love power because you have chosen men of power to be your ministers. And though you have chosen those men of power because you wanted them to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. You have gone in the opposite direction of the kingdom. You have decided to make covenants with them, contracts and constitutions, whereby they can force your neighbor to, to take care of you if you need help. And you call that social security. You call that free schools. You call that uh, police and fire departments, where you can force your neighbor to support your idea of government. Now, the way God's idea of government is, is that you you come together responsibly taking care of one another. And we see elements of that all over society. And I gave you the example in the first part of the show of a fire department, a volunteer fire department, Well, you voluntarily create this volunteer, volunteer fire department to protect your community from fire. I've got a little tickle on my throat, so I I muted when I'm coughing. Just so let me clear this up for a second. So anyway, uh, uh, you, you need to form a society that is based on free will offerings, based on love, based on caring for one another. That is what the church is. It isn't a place for you to go on Sunday morning or Saturday morning so that you can sing songs, so that you can have a preacher that says that you're saved while you continue to go on and sin and covet your neighbor's goods force your neighbor to care for you. War invade other countries or kill 50 million unborn children a year or or make uh, men so powerful that they cannot resist becoming tyrants like Saul. That was considered a rejection of God. The election of Saul by the voice of the people was a rejection of God. Now, I have no interest in taking down world governments or any governments or opposing any government. I'm talking about Turning around and going another way, going towards the ways of God. You have to do that. And the story I told of going out and, and putting the sheep away last night out in the desert. You know, hundreds of sheep out there, all over the desert, within uh, sight of each other. They're not moving in a clump. They're they're spread out. Some over here a little bit in what we call greasewood and some are over in the sagebrush. And they're, they're moseying up to where they stay at night because they're creatures of habit. They go into this pen that's fenced with high wire and barbed wire on the top. Not to keep them in so much as to protect them from predators, coyotes, bobcats, mountain lions. And because during the night, the desert belongs to them. And so the sheep gather together in a safe place for when that time comes, when the coyote are out there prowling around looking for something to eat. And we don't mind them eating. They will eat the excess mice and jackrabbits that compete against the sheep and will strip the desert and keep a balance on the desert. And so the sheep come up on their own. They choose to come up. Nobody's making them come up. And when we got there, they were near the uh, keep where they would be kept for the night. And just seeing us, their heads pop up and start moving in the direction of the keep. They didn't move towards us, although we were between them and the keep, but they started moving in our direction, but they were really headed for the keep. And they ran by, um, to the left of us and to the right of us and all around us. And they trotted as fast as they could, heading up to the keep. And they all kind of crowded into the little gate and went all the way in. And all I did is walk over and shut the gate. I didn't have to force them to do anything. They just do this on their own. They, they have enough sense, even with a brain the size of a baseball, to come together and to go to a safe place and listen to the sound of the shepherd's voice, because that's all I said was, hey, hey, hey. That means come. Three, three uh, calls out to them, and they came. And Justin, who was writing with me, said that was amazing. And you know, of course, he hasn't lived out here, so a lot of the things you've seen out here still amazing. <laughs> but yeah, to us, it's day-to-day life. And that's the way it is in the kingdom. People just automatically come together. You become a minuteman for righteousness. Not Minutemen for this tyrant or that ruler or this man who wants to exercise authority or wants you to look up to him or bow down to him or do whatever. But you become minute men for righteousness. And if you see injustice, you come and do something about it. And, you know, like this, question of GMOs, again, that is not the only problem. That is just the tip of the iceberg. And there are groups out there, uh, OrganicConsumers.com for one, or Com, to talk about these issues and gather people to talk about these issues and do something about these issues. Well, we're growing food out here that is not GMO food, and we're 100 miles to town. We're not surrounded by agricultural land where other uh, pollens can come in easily and contaminate our good seed. We can grow it here in some safety, but it takes cooperation. If you want to grow squash, you have to know which ones will cross and which ones will dilute the the genetics of the seed. You have to look for different kinds of grain and different kinds of yeast and different kinds of things. And this takes work to figure this all out because much of this knowledge has been lost. And so we're looking for ministers who will sacrifice the comfort of their life uh, making big money out in the world, big money that will become worthless (laughs) in a very short period of time, uh, but are willing to sacrifice their time and energy to find these ways that people can live and consume and, and produce that are fruitful. Again, the first quote that I gave this morning when we were talking about uh, the kingdom of God was that God, uh, Christ says, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you and give it to another who would what? Uh, Rule over you? No. Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same is become the head of the corner. This is the Lord doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Then he says, Therefore, therefore, Say, I, unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, a people, that bringeth forth the fruits thereof. The fruits thereof of the kingdom is the fruit of freedom and righteousness and liberty. And it's not going to come because you get out of a system but because you fall in love and come into a system, a system of righteousness, a system of caring for one another. And we talked this week about some of the early writers that talked about what Christians were like, the apologists, uh, Justin and Aristides, who said what Christians were like. It's not what I see in churches today. What I see in churches today is a large number of socialists and Democrats and even Republicans who have an idea that we're going to make people do it our way. Christ fired the money changers, and on Pentecost, according to Jewish traditions, they would elect new people that would produce new money changers, new porters of the temple, all over Israel or Judea at that time. And some of them take the ministers of Christ and were cast out of the system that was still following the ways of the Pharisees, the ways of Herod, the ways of Nimrod, the ways of forcing your neighbor to contribute to your welfare, and a system of sacrifice or Corbin that makes the word of God to none effect. Now, many of you aren't going to understand everything that I say here, but we have to keep moving along and drawing this picture of the kingdom but if you don't, you need to read. You need to listen to some of the other audios on Corbin. Find out what Corbin is. Why are there God's many? What does he mean when my kingdom is not of this world? What does he mean when he says these statements? What do these words mean? What did Paul mean when he said, let every man remain subject to the higher power? Because all powers of God. The same word that we see there as power is translated liberty in Corinthians. It's translated right in several other of the uh, verses of the Bible by the same man. It is the strongest word in the Hebrew language for liberty, whether you're talking uh, Koine Greek or not. Did I say Hebrew? I meant the Greek language. Strongest word in the Greek language for liberty. The other one is eleturia. And... Compared to Eleutheria, it is even a stronger word for liberty. So when Paul was saying, let every man remain subject to the higher power, he was actually saying, let every man subject to the higher liberty, because all liberty is of God. There is no liberty but of God, and anyone who opposes liberty opposes God. But what do we mean by liberty? We mean the right to choose. God gave you a right to choose. And he wants you to have that right to choose but he wants you to choose rightly that's why jesus didn't just say seek the kingdom of god seek to be ruled by god he said seek the kingdom of god and his righteousness so if you want to be free you have to seek freedom for others you have to come together and seek freedom for others you have to come together and form those volunteer fire departments, volunteer um, schools, volunteer uh, systems that take care of one another. You have to voluntarily gather together, not forsaking the gathering together, not for what you can get, but what you can give. Like the old quote we hear from uh, JFK, John Kennedy, Jack Kennedy, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask rather what you can do for your country. Ask not what your government can do for you, but ask what you can do for your government. Ask not what you can do for the king, uh, what the kingdom of God can do for you, but ask what you can do for the kingdom of God. In other words, your neighbor. You gather together because of the Eucharist of Christ. Because you want to give life. You want to share your life, given to you by God, with others. That's why you're coming together. When you do that, you have a chance of finding the kingdom of God and bearing that fruit thereof. Christ came to serve. Are you going to church to serve or to sing or to be made you feel like you're okay or great or saved? How many people go to church? Why don't you go to church for the feeling you give? And not only the feeling, but the righteousness you give and impart. So this is what we have to do if you want to understand living in the kingdom. And one of the things, uh, for instance now, your ministers must be separate. Your congregations must be free assemblies. You have the right to freely assemble. You don't really become a member of the church. You may be a member of a free assembly in the sense, but if it's a free assembly, your membership does not bind you. It does not compel you. It does not control you. It does not regulate you. In the kingdom, you have to regulate yourself. You have to get back to your own personal responsibility and in taking care of one another so now if you have questions about the kingdom now we we've gone along different a lot of different ways here uh what's the difference between the minister in the kingdom these Levites, these these bond servants as they were called in the new testament these ones who were in the world but not of the world You remember the israelites were not called out of Egypt. They were kicked out of Egypt. Now, in one sense, yes, they were called out of Egypt. The ones who were called out in the Old Testament were the Levites because the people really didn't have Egypt out of their hearts, so almost immediately when that charismatic figure of Moses was gone, they began to set up the golden calf, which was simply a central bank. They took all their wealth they put it in a, to the single statute which operated as a vault, and you could guard that statue and make sure nobody stole that wealth, but all that wealth was there so that compelled people to stay with that wealth and protect it because they didn't st- they were not being bound together by love for one another. They were being bound together by there's all my money, all my wealth. and then they were given something else to use as exchange amongst themselves. But their wealth was all in this central depository. It was even called the Reserve Fund in other city states. They didn't call it the Golden Cap, They called it the Reserve Fund or the Golden Statue of this supposed god or that god. They wasn't. They weren't that superstitious as as many people are today. They were creating a system that bound the people together, bound their wealth together, bound their loyalty together, their allegiance together. Allegiance of faith are the same word. But in the kingdom of God, you're bound together not by these systems that take away your right to choose, that take away your wealth, and put it in the hands of others, but you're bound by loving one another as yourself. And what happens when you do that is you create a natural loyalty, a gregarious loyalty where you're not leaving until you find Joe, because Joe was there for you. You're not going to. Leave. You're going to gather together because you really want to know how Steve is doing, how Jeff is uh, getting along. You don't want to just go to church and get charged up with a feeling of goodness. You want to actually go there and say. How are you guys doing and mean it? We become, those statements like, how are you doing? Oh, fine. It becomes a meaningless statement because nobody really cares. We just say it because that's what we're supposed to say. (laughs) If you really cared, you would say, are you sure? Are you, uh, is everything okay? And you would make sure, you would find out, you would investigate. Because people, people who are, are strong and self-reliant and independent, they don't want to tell you they need help. They will be hesitant to tell you they need help. They want to do it on their own, and that's good. But occasionally they let it go too far. Why didn't you tell me you were out of food? Well, I didn't want to be a bother. (laughs) and, And that's good because they don't want to be a burden. They don't want to be a bother. And some of the best people are like that. So sometimes you have to do a little investigating to find out, you know, how's she doing? You know, is she all right? You know, be a little sneaky. (laughs) And in the kingdom you can do that, and they don't mind it so much because they know you care. You know, the church is not for gossipers. Gossipers we're not supposed to have. But, And it's not for busybodies. But, you know, out here in this community, you know, uh, I've told the story before, uh, there was a trailer way out in the desert. We very seldom used. My daughter decided when she was real young that she was going to go out and stay in the trailer and, and, uh, just stay there because it was quiet and, and separate. So she drove out there late at night at 10 o'clock and, uh, uh, pulled into the trailer and, uh. I got phone calls from all the way across the desert, miles and miles away, 20 miles away. Somebody's going out to your trailer. <laughs> and I thanked them for being so observant. Uh, but they saw the headlights going out there, and they knew we never usually went out to that trailer. And somebody was driving around there at 10 o'clock at night. They're watching out for you. They weren't being a busybody. Being a busybody, they would have just mumbled about it. Uh, I wonder who's going out there, you know. And we point out that, uh, you know, where I, the difference is is that they were actually going to do something. They were going to call. And they, the people who call don't actually even have a regular telephone. They don't even have power themselves. They're way out on the desert, and they had to call with a radio phone. <laughs> so, but uh, they saw those lights, and they were going to make sure that we knew somebody was wandering out around their place and prowling around, them. and they watching out for each other. And that's why we have such a very low, low crime rate. But there are lots of kinds of crimes. It's a crime to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare at the point of a gun. It's called covetousness. And the churches have said, oh, that's okay as long as you do it through government. And it's not okay. So we have to construct another system, and that's why we're encouraging everybody to join the Living Network. Go to hisolichurch.org. Go up there to the little guy with the net and join the network in your area and get to know the people. And I'll tell you, some of the people on the network are probably not very nice people. Most of them are pretty good. Some of them are great. Some are really kingdom-oriented people. But that's the thing about the kingdom. It's a place of responsibility. You have to work that out with fear and trembling. You have to find out who is reliable and who is not. And to be honest, some men will not be reliable today. But maybe in a year, they'll repent a little bit more and become a little bit more reliable. For some reason, they're showing up. They see there's a problem. They want to find a solution. Some will persevere into the end and some will not. And Jesus talks about this in his parables about the seeds. Some fall amongst the weeds. Some fall on the dry ground. Some fall on rocks. Some are eaten up by the birds and the coyotes and the bobcats. (laughs) If we're talking sheep, these are all metaphors, but they're a reality. But your salvation depends on your turning around and seeking. Those are due words. Repentance and seeking, striving, doing the will of the Father. These are due words. If anybody is telling you you don't have to do anything to be brought into the kingdom of God and the graces of God, that's the devil. You do have to do stuff. Christ said it over and over and over and over again. And if you have real faith, you will be doing that. If you have false faith, you won't be doing it. You'll just be saying, oh, yes, we believe. Anyway, we'll talk more when we return to the Kingdom.
4: You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom, dot his holy church dot net.
2: Now listen to me. The Bible says, "Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's."
3: I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Yeah. Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have. Get this DVD for a donation of $25
1: from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Because you love the truth, LibertyRadioLive.com.
0: Welcome back to Kings of the Kingdom, and we're talking about the kingdom of God, and we're talking about what you need to be doing is organizing yourselves. And you need a group of ministers that are not in the world. I mean, oh, excuse me, not of the world. In the world, but not of the world. You are bound not by regular common law contracts, but you are bound by uh, equitable, constructive contracts. And the pharaoh is not likely to let go easily. He's kind of a pit bull on the subject, as a matter of fact. He wants you as his human resources. He calls you a human resource, and he has you as collateral for debt, and he doesn't want to pay it. He wants you to pay it, and he wants you to pay it perpetually. He doesn't want to pay off the debt. No matter how much you want to get together and organize your little political groups, so that they will balance the budget. Do You think that's going to happen? How's that working out for you? As the guy says, uh, that's not the plan. The plan is to keep you in debt, and to keep until you're absolutely destroyed by that debt, crushed by that debt. Because there are, you know, it's just you know, you just can't get into it. But that is the way of the wicked. And if you you want to know what's going to happen in the future, study the past. Study the history. We've done all this before, time and time again. So, what was the solution? Well, the solution was the kingdom, this kingdom government, this principled government based upon faith, open charity, of caring for one another, of being a witness for one another, and living in this system of voluntary, responsible people who actually show up and be what they say and do what they say they they will do and actually do this with an element of morality and caring for one another. So you have to leave the principles of Egypt behind that it's okay to get your leeks and onions at the expense of your neighbor, your benefits at the expense of your neighbor, your daily bread at the expense of your neighbor. And that's that may be a process. You may be on Social Security now. You may be on welfare now. You may be getting disability now. And you're entitled to that because that's why they call it an entitlement program, but you're entitled to it because you're a member. And like I said, Pharaoh's not going to let you go. But you can become a minister of his holy church, of Christ's holy church, of his form of government. And you can start to gather together as a free congregation in support of men who want to see you as free as they would like to be free and are willing to give up their freedom so that you might be free. Give up their personal wealth, their personal estate. One of the most common words that people do not understand in the Bible is the phrase, they owned all things in common. If God was returning every man to his possession and every man to his family, How would they own all things in common? They don't. It's the ministers who own all things in common. It was the ministers who were told to give up everything they own, give it away to the poor, and come follow him. It didn't mean to just walk through the streets with rags, starving to death, although it could mean that way if there are no other real Christians (laughs) around. It meant that they had no personal estate that they owned all things in common. The Levites owned all things in common. I had someone talking about the Levites, and he had supposedly talked to a rabbi who was a scholar, and he didn't understand that all Levites were were under what we would call today a vow of poverty. They had no personal estate, they had no inheritance. The Levites belonged to God, they had land. They had clothes. They had money in their pockets. They had no personal estate. In other words, if you killed a Levite and, you, you know, his whole family died out, who inherited it? Who inherited the land? It could, could you sell land in Israel? This, this may be help you understand. Could you sell land in Israel? Well, you could sell land, but... After 49 years, the land reverted back to the original owner. They owned the land. The people actually owned the land. And they couldn't sell. They could sell the use of it, but then the land would revert back to them. After the year of Jubilee. And they they could sell themselves into bondage. But after seven years, they would be free again. That clause isn't in the Social Security Act. <laughs> Seven years, you don't get to be free. <laughs> You're stuck. You're in there. Now, you can be free again, but you got to follow the plan. It's worked before. It can work again. And you have to work at it to make it work. I always say networking works when you work at networking. And that's what you have to do. You have to come together caring about others' freedom as much as you care about your own. So the Levites were this group that were called out to be the ministers of a government based on faith, hope, and charity, free will offerings only. They could have no personal estate. They owned land, and they could sell that land. But if a Levite sold you land, any other Levite could come along and redeem that land back again. They could get that land back again. At any time. They didn't have to wait for 50 years. Or 49 years. To a year of jubilee. Well, guess what happens when you have that rule on the books? Nobody wants to buy the land. (laughs) Why do you want to buy a land put in an orchard if you're going to have to give it back to the first Levite who walks it along? You know, we actually have these things laced in our own statutes. You know, people. When you mention vow of poverty, people all get in a panic. Oh my gosh, that's the Roman Catholic Church. Oh, what are you, a Jesuit? You know, uh, the fact is everybody with a social security number in the United States is under a vow of poverty. You are under a vow of poverty already. You don't own the land. And if you read, uh, Covenants of the Gods, or just the chapter, Law versus Legal, you'll see you don't own the land government owns land. They can take it away anytime they want. You stop paying the use tax, you can't use it. You stop paying the use tax for a couple of years, they take it away. In the state of Oregon, they take the land away, period, before they sell it. In other states, they have a little bit different system. They will take the use of the land away and sell the use of the land to somebody else. And you can still redeem the land for about a year after they've sold it at auction. So guys who buy, I think in Texas, maybe one of those states, I can't remember, but there are several states like this, they'll sell your land at auction. If you can come up with the money that they paid at auction, you can buy back that land. So if well, a guy who buys that land at uh, auction, he has to know that I don't want to put any improvements in that land for at least a year because I could come along and build a house on that land and then the guy come back and redeem it for the price that I paid for it, not including the price of my house. So you have to know these little quirks in the system, but that does not include the beneficial interest which you would call in the Bible the milk and honey. So you're already in a common purse where you don't own the land. You're in another common purse with Social Security where you don't own your labor. They can take not only 20 percent, they can take 30 percent, 40 percent, 50 percent. Now. I'm not saying this to make you mad. I'm saying this to wake you up and to realize that those systems of Nimrod, of Pharaoh, of Caesar, fail. They will fail. They always fail. And there will be a day of reckoning. And you'll cry out to God that he will not hear you in that day. That's what it says in the Bible over and over again unless you repent and turn around and start heading back to the ways of the kingdom. Stop coveting, stop forcing your neighbor to contribute to your welfare, whether it's public school, social security, fire departments, what have you. Now, I know if you live in the city, that's almost impossible. You're still going to have to pay your tally of bricks. You're still going to have to pay Caesar what you owe him, even though you owe him only because of a constructive contract. But if you let go of that wealthy system, that common purse, and you say, I'm not a part of this common purse anymore, and you come out, you can do that. But I advise you only do that if you come out like Christ, like the Levites, to serve others, to be those ministers. Now, what do we call ministers? Well, that's a, that's more than a two-hour program can uh or tail, but the fact is, those ministers are men of service who care about your welfare as much as you care about your own, and they, they are as much as they care about their own. It's a it's a caring position, it's a serving position, like Christ, and they come out to do that, and they have the ability to do that and the instruments to do that, and the resources to do that when you contribute to them. But you have the responsibility to only to contribute to ministers who are actually doing that, who are actually working towards that society that operates on free will offerings only, and takes care of your daily bread with free will offerings only. Similar to the Good Samaritans, but with this, networking kingdom concept more firmly in place, this buddy system times 10. In order to do that, you at least have to begin to form that congregation, getting people to come together in groups of 10. Okay, what happened if you had a bunch of people in one town that got together in a group of 20? Then we have a really big church. No, you break it down again to groups of 10 because that's, you start getting 15, 20, you can't do a good job. But those two groups of ten are still connected. It used to be considered that it wasn't really a church until you had ten groups of ten. You had ten ministers and 100 families linked together in a network. And on Pentecost, they had hundreds of groups of ten. Thousands formed this network of ministers of service. Supported by free will offerings, because overnight they had to become the government of God. You'll get that opportunity, but you got to start somewhere, and that's what Christ's ministry was doing. That's what John the Baptist's ministry was doing. He didn't say, you know, if you stumble across somebody who has no coat, you and you have to share it with them. They were forming the same types of congregations we see being formed in the days of Moses with the Levites, 10 families, take a minister from this pool of Levites, and if they take they a different one, it's not appointed from the top down, it's from the bottom up, you want to be in a free government, you have to start governing, governing yourself in the ways of righteousness, caring for one another. So anyway, I should have been giving out the telephone number that you can call with your questions. There is a chat room, and if you have any questions, put a lot of question marks by it, and whoever's monitoring the chat room will let me know. Uh, I can't see who all the callers are. I don't know if there are callers on here that are raising their hand. Usually they let me know. Uh, The call-in number is 559-726-1300. I'll give that again for those of you who forgot to pick up a pencil. Or can't or remember numbers when somebody rattles them off quickly. So now I just said that, so I give you a chance to. And if you were in the network, you should have got an email this morning that has that number in it. 559 five, 726 1300. And if you are got the Kingdom News List uh, member, you would have got this telephone number yesterday. <laughs> and then you'd have it all by your phone, ready to go with your questions. So 559 five, Seven twenty-six thirteen hundred, 726-1300, and you have to have another number to access this call, 795-132, 795-132. And you can call in with a question, and we'll try to answer it for you. There's a chat room question. There is a chat room question. So what is that? It says, so Gregory, how do you shake off Uncle Sam's claim on the land? Well, you will, there's several things that you can start to do. Uh And, of course, you know, we have a certain amount of information that we share. We call, call campfire talk, and there's a other information that we share with those that we see have learned the value of sharing. Uh We don't just give out pearls to swine, and we don't know who all the people are asking that question. I don't know. Maybe you know who that is. <laughs> but... uh the fact is that all the land has been hypothecated, and again, law versus legal explains how this is in great detail. Also, the living land, the Adama, the earth, the breathing, walking, breathing dirt, which you are—you're made out of dirt. You're made out of the elements, but you're walking around, breathing. That's land too. But you're living, breathing land, walking around. That's been hypothecated too. Uh, slightly different process, but. Not very far from it, that both processes are actually connected. And that's explained in employee versus enslaved. And then there's other elements of this that we also talk about in uh, money versus mammon and conversion versus reconversion, all in the uh, book, Covenants of the Gods, which you can read free online because we're not a commercial outfit. We're a church. We operate on free will offerings. If you read it and you like it, then you can send a donation in. Uh, to help us support it so we can get more information out. Now, back to your question about the land. Uh, it's collateral for debt. There's four different ways in which you can get that land out. And, you know, it can be, uh, you can pay off the debt with present value. And when we talk about this in that article, and, and you know, to answer all these things, but I'm, so I'm just going to touch on them. The answer is already there. Um What do you have of present value? Well, if you're in the system hook, line, and sinker, you don't have anything of present value. All your gold's in the golden calf, and that's probably found at Fort Knox, and it's probably empty or somebody else has got dibs on it. (laughs) Um, There is another way, which is poslimity, poslimity, which is the government just suddenly going to become extremely benevolent and say, we decided that we been really possessive and, and uh, coercive and all this and and we're just going to give you your freedom back because we really do love you and so what is the temperature in hell <laughs> the, that's not likely going to happen uh, there's two other and they're, they're mentioned in the book uh, but the last one is the destruction of that system which is actually holding the title of the land, the hypothecated title of the land. Now now we're getting very dangerously close to campfire talk. <laughs> I'll get the which, marshmallows. Uh, <laughs> so bring the marshmallows to the Burning Bush Festival, <laughs> and we'll talk about that. Uh, I can't remember what the third one is. or I think it's actually the second one. I think I jumped over to Puslemony uh and it just escapes me at the moment. So Good
3: but unfortunately,
0: because we have been such lousy, unrepentant souls, we're probably going to have to depend on system number four. <laughs> number what's behind door number four. Uh which the governmental system that is actually holding title. And uh there's a lot of other things that may happen in that process. But most people aren't ready to get their land back. They're not ready to be free souls under God. Uh, they haven't even begun the process of learning. They're still back in Egypt being Egypt. And, uh, you know, Israel uh, started learning the process of being a free society during the plagues that struck Egypt while the Pharaoh's heart was still hardened. And that's pretty much where you're at right now. Now, the priests, you have to remember to be a priest in Egypt. You were already free. You weren't bound. That was the way it was from the beginning. And it's still that way to this day. If you become a minister of Christ, you're already free. You're already separate. And the church can already, through a uh, kind of a step-by-step process, get property that is free. Now, that doesn't mean that Pharaoh is going to completely recognize that. But if you want that pillar of fire of God's protection, if you want the good shepherd to come at your call, because uh, he's not going to hear your voice if you're not doing this, if you're not being the kingdom. He says, I will not hear you in that day. But if you will heed the call and start doing what he said, then he will hear you. You're going to need that because it's going to be 300 against 10,000. Okay? And so you really the solution is found in, you know, people want to know what's it look like on the top of Mount Everest, but they don't want to climb Mount Everest. <laughs> You got to you got to start taking the journey. You know there's a Mount Everest because I can bring you back photos and show you that. Hey, yeah, there it is. You know. But if you really want to know what it's like to stand on the top of Mount Everest and look out there across the world and see the curvature of the earth, you got to climb up there. You got to start that journey. And so, yeah, Christ was hinting at this and we actually tell you way more than Christ was telling you uh, a lot of it you know whether what they always say uh, the answers in the details or something in the details <laughs> uh, a lot of what you find out in reading the books like Covenants of the God which we give away to you for free uh, is to read the footnotes you know and it's laced in there a lot there's a lot more between the lines you know the the book covenant. The God was originally about 780 pages, but I got this deal with God to reduce it down to 144 pages, <laughs> and you know I cheated a little bit on the font size so I can get it all in. <laughs> but it's there. It's telling you. If you want a McDonald's answer, where you just fill out this form and this form, and presto, bingo, you go to the you know, delivery window and they hand you a bag full of free land, it's not going to happen. And as soon as you had that free land, Pharaoh's going to come down on you with everything he's got, and he's going to squash you. And I've seen guys actually do a fairly good job of rehypothecating the land back into their own hands. A couple of people, most people miss it entirely. You know, one of the pre existing values that you could have, you know, if we'd started this 50 years ago, it'd been a simple process and we probably wouldn't have had to come to this day of destruction and inheriting the earth again. Like I I tell people, uh, we're not interested in just setting you free, we're interested in you surviving freedom. Because most of you would not survive freedom in the days to come you you don't have the sense you know i could go out there and buy 1000 blackface camp sheep uh you know or uh, suffix sheep and i could take them out there in the desert and i could let them go on the same property that those hundred or so sheep live on and they would be devoured one after another <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't stay together. They'd wander off looking for that green clover somewhere, and the coyotes would pop out of the sagebrush and eat them up one at a time. They'd probably just eat all their lambs if you had a thousand sheep. We'd have very fat coyotes and a thinning herd constantly because <laughs> <laughs> they don't know how to stick together. You know? And I, this is personal experience talking because I had some suffix and some mottled face sheep mixed half suffix and half white faced rain sheet. And they got run my legs off. Fortunately, I used to be a marathon runner trying to keep them to stay together, you know, over and over. It was great training for all these people out here who are trying to form a network. <laughs> I'm still running around them saying, you guys are wandering off. You're getting over here into doctrines and theologies. And, oh, if you don't accept this doctrine or theology, I can't have anything to do with you uh, but I'm going to go off and, you know, collect my welfare check or my social security check from benefactors who exercise authority. The black-faced sheep are only good in fenced fields, tightly fenced fields. They're farm flocks, they call them. They, they they can't survive on the range. And most of you couldn't survive on the range. Oh, you, some of you young guys, you can... You can kind of survive in society between the cracks. But you're really the ravens of society. You're not the kingdom of God. If you want to have families, if you want to have fruit in your society, you have to come together. You have to help one another. And so the church can start to get property out, but the church is those ministers called out who own all things in common for the purposes of being the servants of the people, and the law allows that, if you read the Free Church Report, allows them to come out and be that body of Christ to free all the other people, to maintain an entrance to the kingdom, which is what Peter is talking about when he says that, the ministers to maintain that entrance, that you need to come together and form that network, and you need to find those ministers who really have the heart of Christ. Who want to set you free? And then you, yeah, you can get a little bit of church land out, but ultimately we want all the land out, both that land that you walk on under your feet, and that living, breathing land that you that you marry and have children with, your fellow man, and become fruitful and multiply. Now, one of, one of the things that you could do is, like I say, pay for the land. And people say, well, I'm going to go buy some land with gold and silver, and then I will have paid for it. But you're buying it from somebody who only has legal title. You bought the legal title with gold and silver, but what about the equitable title that's still hypothecated away? How do you pay for that? you got to pay the guy holding the equitable title, and most of you don't even know who that is because it's not the local county tax assessor. He didn't hold a title. He's just collecting taxes. It's not the state governments anymore. They're not sovereign states anymore. They're subsidiaries of the federal government. Federal government's bankrupt. It's not the federal government. So who is it? Oh, we're into campfire (laughs) top. Who is behind door number four? (laughs) But the point is, uh, you're going to inherit the land and you'll get it back but anyway paying that present value before you could have waived the right to a pre-existing debt owed you and when you waive that right it would be considered as paying present value and we go over this in detail in uh, uh, conversion versus equitable conversion i think that, or no reconversion conversion versus reconversion uh and it's there, the information is there, and if you can figure it out, uh, put those little pieces of the puzzle together, God must be with you, <laughs> and then you'll have the answer. So that anyway, that's kind of the answer that I'm going to give uh, on the radio. Uh, I hope that unless they've read all that in detail, they haven't done their homework, so they'll need to do their homework. So, any other questions out there in the world of? Chat rooms, Paul. Not at this time. Okay. They're kind of answering their own questions, so that's good. Oh, there are some guys on there who've been doing their homework, probably, and they're they're answering each other. But really, the land we want to get out is you, the the people. That's the land we want to save, uh, and and as we get that land out, uh, they will. Uh, they will begin to uh, 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 have those feet that must stand upon the land. You know, it's common, a lot of people like to say, I'm a man on the land, and, and like I pointed out in a recent post, what land would that be? You know, the man on the land is a man on land that is owned free. Like I point out, that the early Americans who were fighting the so-called American Revolution, uh, about 30% of Americans were landed Americans. They actually owned their own land, and that those were the men on the land because they had suffered and died and, and struggled to own their own land. They actually owned it; couldn't be taxed. until we get to that point, and we can do that if we seek that network of God, we're not really men on the land. And we'll talk more about that. Maybe that will encourage your questions when we return to Kings of the Kingdom.
1: fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Let our motto be, don't tread on me. Liberty Radio
3: Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States in 1963.
2: The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are as a people inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths. And a secret proceedings, for we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. No expenditure is questioned, no secret is revealed. That is why the Athenian lawmaker Solon decreed a crime for any citizen to shrink from controversy I am asking your help in the tremendous task of informing and alerting the American people confident that with your help man will be what he was born to be free and independent
3: ladies and gentlemen the president today
2: you were both in skull and bones the secret society it's so sacred we can't talk about it.
1: what does that mean for America it's so sacred we can't talk about it. What does that mean for America? I've got a vision for what I want to do for the country. See, I know exactly where I want to lead. It's so sacred we can't talk about it. What
0: does that mean for
2: America? If you read the history books, the most often asked question to Southerners was this Why did you fight? And the most often given answer is Because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the
1: South.
3: Was it the Civil War or? war of federal aggression aggression. john weaver sets the record straight in this dvd series on the civil war from the old past christian history conference was there a war to set the slaves free or was it a war to enslave us all get this dvd and judge for yourself war War of federal aggression aggression. the truth seems strange only because we've been indoctrinated with a fiction war War of federal of federal aggression get it today Get this
1: DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773.
0: 559-781-3773. So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. And we're talking about the ways of the kingdom, a day in the kingdom. A day in the kingdom is, every day is church day. And when you gather together, which actually, you know, you know, Sabbath is your day of rest. That's because you work six days in the kingdom. And you take a seventh day, a convocation day, off. And usually you take it off simply with your family at home. And occasionally you might have company over and you kind of all take that day off and you rest. And there's a reason for that. And there's a physical reason. There's a spiritual reason. And it's not a, it's not a magical day. It's not, you can't impose it on people. You can't force them to do it. Uh, but there's a message in it. And the message not only includes what you do on that day, but what you did on the six days before. In the six days before is that you labor. I always ask people, what's the first commandment of God in the Bible? Dress it and keep it. Again, the kingdom of God is here on earth. It's at hand. It's not of the world, the constitutional order and system of governments of Nimrod, Caesars, and Pharaohs. But it's on this planet. It's a system based on free will choice. Because all liberty is of God. But that liberty is within the moral confines of the precepts of God. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not make covenants with them nor with their gods. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. All these rules Are basic fundamental rules, laws of nature, if you do those things, if you covet your neighbor's goods, your goods will be coveted and taken from you. If it's okay to take from your neighbor to provide your welfare, it's okay for your neighbor to take from you to provide his welfare. And you have set the rule. As you judge, so shall ye be judged. And guess what? Your neighbor has a lot more needs than you do, so he's going to take and take and take and take and take. And if you elect a leader who has the power to take, he will take. He'll take the first fruits of your labor because you didn't give them up willingly in a free will society. He wanted to force your neighbor to contribute. He will take your son's to make them run before his chariots. He will make his instruments of war. He will take your daughters and turn them into his maidservants, his confectionaries. And that's what will happen, and that's what has happened, because you rejected God that he should not reign over you. If God was reigning over you, you would rush to his keep, to his fold, to be together, to work together to wander freely on the range of this planet dressing and keeping and caring for it caring for each other watching out for each other keeping an eye on each other you would do that if christ was in your heart christ is not in christ is not in your heart because you belong to this religion or that religious group that isn't even religious certainly not pure religion Pure religion is how you take care of the widows and orphans and needy of your society. Do you do it with free will offerings? Social Security is a religious program. That is your church. And the ministers of that religion, the ministers of that religion exercise authority one over another. And you're a member of that. And you've been deceived. Now, okay, get used to it. Get over it. Now turn around. We're preaching the straight way, the narrow way, the path of God. You need to form that network, and you need to support men who are seeking to build that network. And you need to learn to give so that it may be given to you. You need to give up your life that you may have life more abundant. These are the message of the king of the only government that really wants to set you free really cares about you and are willing to give up his own life that ye might be free. Shed his own blood that ye might be free. So we talked about banking on the kingdom. Now, the church is separate from the governments of the world. It's not a part of the world. It doesn't have ID numbers. If you're a minister... According to the dictates of Jesus Christ, you can't have, I mean, an ordained minister. He uses several words for ordained. You know, specifically his little flock, ministers. I'm not talking about every deacon or, or someone. Every One of us are ministers in God's kingdom. But I'm talking about the official ones where he said, I appoint unto you a kingdom. Not the whole kingdom, but the eight kingdoms a right and authority to be a government because he was a king. That's what it said. This is the king, this is the king, this is the king in an official Roman document. The highest son of David. And he appointed to these men, after he took the kingdom away from the Pharisees, he appointed these men to be The princes of his kingdom. But he said they could not exercise authority one over the other. When we say princes, kingdom, rulers, leaders, we think only those who can exercise authority. You can actually have a voluntary government where your leaders do not rule over you. They rule over what you give them, but they don't rule over you. they? They don't make you contribute and build the treasury of the kingdom? You are the treasurer of the kingdom. You must contribute by your own choice only. Tax yourself only. That's a free government. And you only give to men who promote that idea. And then those men go out and seek and find as good shepherds those other sheep, those white-faced sheep, those range-type sheep that will come together in righteousness. Who will cling to one another in righteousness. Who will watch out for one another in righteousness. How do you let a thousand sheep go out on the desert? Or a hundred sheep go out on a thousand acres of desert? You know, our gate is always open. They don't go out the gate most of the time. They used to when we had one black-faced sheep named (laughs) Korah. They would... She would lead them out the gate. Many of you have heard that story. I won't tell it again. <laughs> but uh Cora, somebody asked yesterday, so where's Cora? Because they'd always heard the stories about Cora, which was this one black-faced sheep that we'd kept one year. Kept leading the sheep, you know, some of the sheep off. I sold, We sold her to the Russians. <laughs> and they ate her. <laughs> and actually, she had grown old and we were going to sell her as an old coal sheep because she was such a troublemaker. And she jumped the fence and got in with a buck and got bred one more time. So we didn't sell her. We let her have one more lamb. And then oh, we had a guy come by and was, wanted to buy old ewes, just old ewes that we weren't going to keep anymore, hard bags, what have you, what we call coal sheep, sheep that aren't our best flock. And we sold them. And he picked Cora as one of the sheep that he took. He loaded them up in a passenger van, literally in a passenger van. He had windows down the side of the van. And you could see the sheep looking out the window in the back seat. <laughs> there's there's a, a, more than a half a dozen sheep in the back seat. I don't remember what he took, uh, ten sheep in the back seat. And you look through the window and you see all these sheep looking out. Anyway, Cora went off with him. And they, in the Russian community, they, they eat these old mutton mews. And so that's what happened to Cora. So she hasn't been leading them out the gate anymore. And that's what's going to happen to the cores of this world and the cores of our own network. Who will not come together with the same spirit of Christ to serve others openly? Blame themselves, realizing that they are naked. They're not going to be secretive. They're going to share they're going to be honoring their word. They're going to be taking care of one another and working for a uh, to create a network that will actually do that. They will be their volunteer fire department, their volunteer insurance program, their volunteer even policemen, policemen. In other words, when somebody needs help in this community, they're constantly complaining we don't dial 911, we dial each other. They say, you're supposed to dial 911 when you need help. No, we, we, we depend on each other. You know, the nearest police station here is 75 miles away. We don't call the police. We call each other. In the cities, you do a, a different thing. You need to have, you know, what is community watches? They're volunteer systems. What is the kingdom? It's a volunteer system. What part of your life couldn't you? Somebody, somebody. Uh, occasionally some of the local women want to go to the store and get, get some things in town, which is 100 miles away. And so they don't like to drive alone, so they invite somebody to go along with them. And so we said, well, my wife was going to go along with her, and she said, okay, we can pick up stuff for other people. And we were telling some of the new people that are here, uh, we can pick up, and they thought, well, no, no, I don't want to put anybody in any trouble. No, that's what we do here. We will go and pick up stuff for you when we go to town. And we hope that if you go to town, you will pick up stuff for us. That's casting your bread upon the waters. These are the principles of the kingdom. It's here now. If you will reach out and grab it, if you will seek it and strive for it, if you will gather together in free assemblies, you will find it. And if you do that, when that holder of the equitable title of all the land in the whole world, <laughs> almost all the land, he doesn't have all the land, uh, is destroyed, and all hell is breaking loose, you will inherit the kingdom because you will still be alive. You will survive freedom. You will survive liberty under God because God will be a pillar of fire between you and disaster. But if you will not come to the aid of others, why would he come to the aid of you? You have judged it's okay to be selfish. So it's okay for God to be selfish. It's okay for you not to listen to the cries and needs of your neighbor. So it's okay that God does not listen to the needs and cries of you. So in, in these books that we put out, and, and I have several people here helping me over the next couple of months, although i got twice the workload probably because we're getting ready for our fall retreat at the last week of September. And if you want those campfire talks, that's where you're going to hear them. Don't come after the retreat and say you want my undivided attention. <laughs> come during the retreat. To get to know the free assembly of others and try to make it as big a deal. You know, at the fall retreats, Feast of Tabernacle, and I'm amazed at the number of people who haven't quite grasped this yet, you invited the stranger in your midst. This is not a convocation exclusive to those seeking the kingdom. This is a festival for all the people in the network. In the extended network, and even the strangers in our midst who don't understand the network. This is an outreach festival. That's what it says. If you go and read the book, they're telling you something. Pay attention. Do your homework. So now can we show them the fruit of the kingdom? Can we be that kingdom? For a week. And come and share with each other enough so that people will see, hey, this makes sense. No wonder I'm a slave. I made a slave of my neighbor. No wonder I am bound in a social welfare system that should have been for my welfare but has become a snare. Because I was willing to lurk privately for my neighbor's blood. And I am trapped in the very net of my own creation. creation own creation. Now, those of you who have read Proverbs uh, 1, 10, and uh, and Paul and and our writings know what I'm talking about. I'm quoting right out of the text of the Bible, the quotes you'll never hear in your modern churches, because your modern churches have strayed from the ways of Christ. They've brought in their damnable heresies that it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods. So all you need to do is gather together in those congregations and, and start having your own campfire talks because I, I share lots of information with those ministers I see actually doing the work. Some minister says, I'm doing the work. I don't need to tell you about it. Well, you don't. But if you don't tell me about it, it didn't happen. <laughs> I only bear witness to what I see if you don't show me. If your congregation is a secret congregation... It will remain secret to me, and I will not bear witness that it exists. It's all about bearing witness, two or more witnesses. I'm not the witness for everybody. But anyway, the church has bank accounts without numbers, without any numbers whatsoever. And some churches are trying, excuse me, I said churches, and actually I should because the temples in Egypt (laughs) we the banks. And, of course, banks are temples, and they want to exclude us. And, of course, they have a right to exclude us. But they cannot exclude the people they bind into their system from worshiping at the altars of his holy church, of Christ's holy church. That is a violation of their own rules. So if you want to help us keep that door open... Join the network, because we're going to share some information in the next day. So you got to join that network right away about how to keep that door open. And they're going to keep trying to close it, but that's okay, because when they, they force that closure, they finally have to open another door, which lets you become free. Because if they exclude you from the free choice of religion and they're hypothecating constructive uh, altars, then they violate their own laws. So if you want to be free, we have to back them into the corner so that they're over here and we're over there. We have to gather at the Red Sea. We'll still have the sea at our back, but God will part that. So metaphors separate from them. We have to become our own insurance company based on mutual assurance, free will. We have to become our own, again, fire department, uh, community watch, all these things. And you can only do that if you network as a kingdom. It's not a congregation. It's a kingdom. But the kingdom is composed of free congregations, free assemblies, who actually are doing what Christ had to do. So I don't know. I'm repeating myself. But the fact is this. You have to make that choice and, and, and really start working and contributing to the welfare of your neighbor. You have to start that flow of life from you out to the other seeking the kingdom so that God can fill you up with more life so that you may have life more abundant. If you just want to keep it all and and have it all and be free and have your own land and and have your little comfortable congregation, that's not kingdom thinking. And we have a tremendous uh, amount of information laid out on how to do this, freeing that living land next to you, next door to you, down the street from you. That's what you need to do. I'm sitting here looking out the window, watching birds come into our cherry tree and steal cherries. (laughs) And there will be people that come to our network to try to steal cherries, too. They're just (laughs) gleaning. It doesn't look like a widow or an orphan. (laughs) It looks like a thieving little bird. But uh, there's a shotgun over the door that may go off sometime right after the show. (laughs) <laughs> and the cats will be thrilled. they <laughs> <laughs> get a cat. <laughs> I actually had a cat once. Uh, at, we had two cats that were here. I don't know if we had time for this story. A couple of minutes to tell you this story. We had two cats here, uh, Buzz and Woody. kids named them years ago. <laughs> and uh, they were just uh, a team, uh, two yellow cats, and they hunted together. And one was really the good hunter. And the other one would kind of... You know, get the, you know, kind of corner the mouth so that the, he could, the other one, or distract the bird or whatever and, and, and get them. And, uh, they, you actually saw them hunting together all the time. And they were just inseparable. And, uh, somebody did something, a visitor here, that wasn't supposed to do it. And it ended up leading to the drowning of one of those cats. Uh, he fell into a pool of water that they had filled up partway so the cat couldn't get out, and the cat didn't realize it, and he fell into that pool and drowned in this large tank. And the, and the guy wasn't supposed to do it, and he did it, and it ended up, and the kids were, you know, kind of heartbroken to see that cat. And so, anyway, the, the next day, the the surviving cat was, uh, which I guess was Buzz, was at my back window right here outside the studio and he was meowing, and I looked out, and I'm not a big cat person. I don't do a lot of petting with cats and stuff like that, you know. Uh, but I'm, I'm okay with him, uh, just like with any other animal. But uh, anyway, he was meowing at my window, and I looked out, and I said, Sorry, Buzz, he's gone. You're going to have to learn to hunt on your own. Well, he started hunting on his own. He walked away. And he went underneath the net that covers our grapevines to keep the birds out of the grapevines. And he goes underneath there, and occasionally a bird would fly up underneath that net, and he would catch that bird stealing grapes or or a mouse out in the fields. And every time he did, he brought it to this back window, and he would meow. (laughs) And I would look out the window and find out why this cat was meowing at my window. All the other windows, no, but just my window. He would meow at <laughs> And I would look out there, and he would show me the mouse or the bird or whatever it was that he'd caught. And I'd say, good job, Buzz. Go get another one. <laughs> <laughs> and so he kept coming to my window showing that he would learn to hunt on his own. And... Uh, we used to get lots of grapes in with buzz, buzz on the job. <laughs> I guess the birds didn't steal them all. And we don't mind them stealing a few, but uh, uh, they can't, we don't want them to, be, to steal all the cherry pies that we're going <laughs> to But anyway, that's, uh, you work with nature in the kingdom, and nature will work with you. And if you work with each other in the kingdom each other will work with you. And you need to start building those bonds based on faith, hope, and charity to survive the days to come. And that's what they were doing during the plagues of Egypt. And we see those plagues around the corner. We've seen the economic plagues already coming since 2008, and actually even before, but there's certainly been a decided turn towards the uh, decaying economy and collapsing economy. But we see it also in agriculture. We even see it in geology and and weather conditions. I mean, a great deal of the the crop loss this year has been due to weather during the solar banks. And there will be more. And uh, we are not always going to be able to go down to the store and buy another bag of groceries. As a matter of fact, those who seek the kingdom, seek to be separate, to follow the ways of Christ, will even be excluded. You will not get your straw from the Pharaoh. They won't get it to you. They won't let you in their store. They won't let you have their gas. That will come, rationing. So you need to form that kingdom. But you not don't want to form it out of fear. You have to form it out of love because fear will not keep you together. Fear, you know, I can scare a bunch of black-faced sheep together out there in the desert by sicking a black and white unidom, which we refer to, uh, which is really a border calling. And it will scare them and make them come together. And It'll circle around them, and they will come together with that black-and-white unit circling around. Or you want to get a little collar on the dog with a little light on it, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, flashing blue light. But the fact is, they won't stay together. But the white fish will stay together. And that's your assignment till next week on Keys to the Keys. <laughs> Thanks, Paul, for being there. You bet. God bless.